0: visiting today, and Emily lives here in San Antonio, and uh, welcome. Wonderful having you here. So um, I think you know if you were here last week or you were watching online that we're in a new series called Resilience, and uh, the resilience has to do with regaining our identity in Christ and utilizing spiritual disciplines to do that. And the first discipline was being part of community. And today the discipline is spiritual discipline for today. Study of scripture to produce resilience that comes through having our identity and Jesus restored. We'll revisit that in a minute. But it's a study of scripture. So when I think of scripture I think of the story of the pastor who liked to preach through the Bible every week. And he would really sometimes get carried away. So one Sunday he said, Folks, I've got a special treat for you today. I'm going to preach through the whole Bible. He started at Genesis, Exodus, and so on. And about three in the afternoon he came to Jeremiah. And he said, Friends, we come to Brother Jeremiah now. Where shall we put him? And one fellow stood up and said, He can have my place. I'm going home. <laughs> so, So I'm approaching this sermon a little differently than I usually preach. It's going to be extremely practical we're going to move through some stuff really fast for you to fill in the blanks I would encourage you to do that and at the end we're going to talk about how we're going to make some practical suggestions for you and we're going to give the Holy Spirit time to work in our hearts and renew our love for the scripture the scripture passage we are using as background for this series is 2nd Peter 1 3 through 10 now let me just say this is a New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. I always bring it on Sundays. As much as I enjoy my phone and being able to look up passages of Scripture, I rue the day that we stop bringing our Bibles to church. And if I were the senior pastor, I would get legalistic and not let you in unless you could show me your Bible. Because... There, Danny, you can stay all the... No. You can sit down, brother. (laughs) Sit down, (laughs) sit down. down. But seriously, think about bringing your Bibles because, you know, we use a lot of Scripture in our sermons and it's actually clumsier looking up Scriptures on your phone than it is flipping through your Bible. And flipping through your Bible, you learn where things are. And... uh, Sometimes you get distracted because what's around the passage gets very interesting, and maybe that's okay, too. But in this passage of Scripture from 2 Peter, there are some fantastic things about using spiritual disciplines, and I'm just going to hit three of them really fast. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Do you want to live a godly life Yes. through spiritual disciplines? God gives you everything you need for living a godly life. That's in 1 Peter 1, 1.3. Secondly, if we practice these disciplines, and this is 1 Peter 1.10, we will never fall away. We will never fall away. Now, I've had seasons of my life where I got a little distant from God. And I can tell you every single time It was because I had stopped praying and reading the Bible and other spiritual disciplines. So we want to practice these disciplines so that we will never fall away. And then number three, if we practice these disciplines, God will give us a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 1.11. God will give us a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that if you fail in some way with your disciplines that you're not going to go to heaven. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that as you follow God's prescription for having a godly life and for never falling away, that makes God very happy. And it's like, yay, welcome in, welcome in. When the day of our gathering into the heavenly kingdom of God occurs. Now I'm going to repeat the thing I said earlier The spiritual discipline for today is the study of Scripture to produce resilience that comes through having our identity in Jesus restored. So we want to ask the question, how does the study of Scripture restore our resilience, restore our identity in Christ? And I just want to share a couple of personal things for how this has worked in my life. All of my uncles on my mother's side, and there were seven of them, every one of them well except for the one that died in infancy so six of them became preachers and one of the preachers said to me when I was 19 years old right after I had been converted and filled with the Spirit he said Herschel you'll never rise above the moments that you are in the Word of God you'll never rise above the moments that you're in the Word of God I kind of got it then but I'm still getting it today. In fact, preparation for this sermon just refreshed all of that in me. And then in this very week, during the time, I had forgotten, by the way, that John had asked me to preach until Tuesday. So I was like, and then there were a lot of other things going on in my life. I was feeling so much pressure, so much stress, and that's Normally not like me, and in fact, I had been talking with another pastor whom I coach, and he had told me that he had had a panic attack. And on Thursday, I felt like I might be having a panic attack because I don't—I've never had one, but I was just feeling like, ah, what's going on here? What's going on here? And you know, it's like, well, why don't you sit down with God? And I'm like, oh, there's one more thing to do, right? But I made myself, I made myself go into my little office and sit in my comfortable wingback chair and I made myself pull out the Bible and my reading for the day was Luke 11, 1 through 11, one of my readings. And this includes Jesus teaching us to pray the Lord's Prayer. And then it leads into uh, the passage where Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. If you being evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And it was like peace through the Word of God. Almost instantaneously, all that stuff lifted from me, and I was just restored and able to prepare the sermon without feeling like I'm a complete hypocrite, (laughs) right? Because the Word of God was working in my heart. Well, have you ever noticed how in the Old Testament, way back there, hundreds, thousands of years ago, it became clear to the children of Israel that those who were following God had a grasp on the power of the Word of God to transform them. They, you know, the Bible started being written, we think, in the days of Moses. And so you get on into the time of David and Solomon and those guys. And they're finding out, if you'll go back and you'll read, or that very few of them had, nobody had the scrolls except for the temple, probably. But they had teachers who would teach the Word of God. And they discovered some amazing things. So the Old Testament treasure... It's kind of summed up in Psalm 19, 7 through 11. I'd like for you to just listen to this passage as I read it. I don't have this in your notes, but just listen. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether more to be desired are they than gold yes than much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb moreover by them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is great reward let's applaud for the Word of God amen amen we don't worship the book But as the Holy Spirit works through the book, look at all those things it will do for us. You know, they already knew that even before Jesus came. Hundreds of years before Jesus came. And then there are three other things and of many, many that I could share today. I had to erase several that I had written down because it was just too many. By memorizing the word, we are kept from sin. I'm going to share all three of these things are from Psalm 119 which when I was a kid and my Sunday school teacher would give a a prize for the person who read the most scriptures and did the most good during the week. I always skipped Psalm 119 because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Instead, I would read Psalm 117, which is the shortest (laughs) chapter in the Bible. And I won a pocket knife. (laughs) (laughs) It's before I was born again, okay, just so you know. By memorizing the word, we are kept from sin. Psalm 119.11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Learned that when I was a kid. I'm sure many of you did. In Psalm 119.105, the word lights our way through life as we study it. It's like walking in complete pitch darkness and if you have the word of God, it lights your path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then through meditating on the word of God, we become wiser than our enemies or even our teachers. I think the scripture's up there. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me, the commandments. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. You know, let me just say this. You can have a person with a Ph.D. from Oxford University who thinks that he or she is the smartest thing in the world and you can have a child of 10 or 12 who has the Word of God hidden in their heart and that child has more wisdom, has more understanding than that Ph.D. from Oxford unless that person is also a believer and has the Word in their life. God, getting the principles of the way God has made the world and how we should live and how we can be successful and how we can be truly happy and joyful. Little children can get that, right? How many of you learned some of these things in Sunday school? Yeah. Aren't you glad you did? <laughs> You've carried them all your lives. Well, there's so much more in the Old Testament, but let's go now to the New Testament. Eee, man, a time. The New Testament treasure, Jesus, the Logos, the Word, John 1, 1 through 18. So Jesus is the everlasting living Word of God. And the Scriptures, we don't worship the Bible, we worship Jesus. But the Scriptures point the way to Jesus. So Jesus is the living Word, and the Bible is the written Word, that accompanies the revelation of Jesus. It prepares the way for him starting in Genesis, all the way to Malachi, and then in Mark and Matthew and Luke and John, boom, there he is, the living word of God. And as we look at the New Testament, we see these things. I'm going to go through them really fast. I hope you can write fast in those blanks. Just a bunch of things, and this is certainly not all of them. The word is the seed that brings the living word. That's Jesus. and our hearts, go back and read the parable of the sower that's in the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The word delivers from temptation. Think about Jesus in the wilderness when the devil's misquoting scripture and Jesus just comes right back because he knew the Bible better than the devil did. He knew what it meant and he applied it. The word cleanses us. There are two passages in the New Testament that speaks of the word of God cleansing us. One of them, uh, Jesus says, um, uh, I don't think this is going to be on the screen, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So we we know the blood of Jesus cleanses us, but there's also this powerful metaphor of the word of God being the instrument of the Holy Spirit to cleanse our hearts. And then the word is an offensive weapon. That's going to take you a little longer to write, isn't it? The word is an offensive weapon. Ephesians 6.17 and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. It's a, it, if you look at the armor of God it is the only offensive weapon there with a possible exception of prayer which really Paul doesn't use a picture for prayer. But it's a way to fight the fight against the spiritual forces of darkness. And it is a surgical tool And probably if you went to Sunday school, you learned this verse when you were a kid too. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So not only is it a weapon we use against the enemy, it is a surgical tool God uses on us for the divine surgeries he needs to perform to make us what he wants us to be. As we say, okay, God, come on. It may hurt, but I know, I know it's necessary for me to have the image of God restored in me to to regain my identity in Christ and become resilient. Come on, bring it on. Bring the word of God on. How many times have you ever been convicted of something that you shouldn't do or you should do because you read something in the Bible. I want to say I'm putting up both hands and both legs. Okay. It's so true, isn't it? And then the written word of God is the revelation of life-changing truth. So um, this is in 1 Peter, where we also took our key text from verses 16 through 18. So, Peter was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he saw this amazing thing happen, and he saw Elijah. uh Uh-oh. When I turn that way, I lose it sometimes. It's okay. Um, He saw Moses and Elisha, Elijah, and he heard the voice of God from heaven. Couldn't get better than that, could it? And he says, yes, it can. He says, yes, it can through the written word of God, which we all have access to. He says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. In other words, it's more trustworthy than the experience on the mountain to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that, the prophes- that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, Danny, hold up your Bible. The rest of you, hold up your phones. And say, this, this is better than the Mount of Transfiguration. Not the phone, but the Bible app. Okay. Wow. Finally, of these fantastic things, the one that kind of sums it all up in the New Testament is in Second Timothy three fifteen through 17. The word, having been breathed out by God, and I'll explain that in a minute, is a key tool, it's not the only tool, but a key tool of the Holy Spirit to restore the image of God in us as it teaches, corrects, and equips. And he says this, You have been taught... Paul writing to Timothy. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. That's where we find out about it, right? Now listen, all Scripture is inspired by God, and actually we don't have a good way to say that Greek word in English because if you translate it literally, it says expired. And for us that means you die, right? So we don't say that. So we say inspired, but it means breathed out, expired. Every word of scripture is breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Carol, you can relax. That's the last key point. But it's not the end of the sermon. I'm not going to go till three this afternoon. Don't worry. (laughs) But on your pages now, not not on the keynotes, you'll see tips to develop scripture study as a spiritual discipline to help restore your identity in the Lord and to make you resilient. So I hope you're motivated. Are you motivated? How many of you are motivated by these scriptures that we've shared today? Boy, it's time. Yeah, I'm motivated. Man, and we just barely scratched the surface of what the Bible says about itself. And everyone in the room who's a follower of Jesus, you have some testimonies of what the Word of God has done in your life. But if we walk away from here just feeling motivated and we don't know how, how to get into the Bible, we're in trouble. We, we, we forget the sermon, we forget the teaching, and we go our way. So I just put a few, I, I could have put 40 or 50 things here, and John will come back next week and correct this part, okay? So he'll say, let me, let me go one better than Herschel, you need to do this. <laughs> These are just my ideas. But the first one I know that we all would agree on, when you read the Bible... Pray that the Holy Spirit will teach you and especially that you will get to know Jesus because the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So don't just sit down with a Bible and say, well, Herschel gave us all these things the scriptures will do for me, so I'm going to force myself to read. Where do I start? Well, first of all, say, Holy Spirit, would you open the Word of God to me? Would you make it real to me? Would you make Jesus real to me? And pray that every time you're going to study the Bible. Secondly, remember to memorize key passages. I wish that when I was a boy, I had memorized tons more of Scripture than I did. I have memorized a good bit of Scripture, but nothing like I wish I had. And boy, when those, when those times come that I need the Word of God, the, the few Scriptures that I have memorized come to my aid. You will never do better than spending time memorizing meaningful passages of Scripture. Meaningful passages of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. I've got you right there, don't I? That's John chapter 1. I wish I had John chapter 1 1 through 18 memorized. I don't. But I can kind of get through it. Thirdly, meditate on the word. And the word meditate in the the Bible is the word ruminate. And it means chew the cud. It means you don't just take a quick look at scripture and say, well, I read my scripture for today. Put your Bible away. It means you take time. You've asked the Holy Spirit to help you. And you, you chew it. You chew it. And you swallow it, and and then, to use a kind of a gross application, the chew the cud, it comes back up, and you chew it again, and you swallow it again until it becomes a part of your life. And then, for those who have never really read the Bible and you don't know where to start, I want to recommend that you start with Luke, and I left out a word, put Luke-Acts. Luke-Acts. That will introduce you to the Gospels and to the early church, And then Romans, which will introduce you to the depth of what the Bible teaches that the gospel means. And I would suggest a study Bible in a good contemporary translation. And I've put down three of many great translations here. But New International Version, we used to call that one, it's called the NIV. And we used to call that one Necessary in the Vineyard. Because most, most vineyard pastors use that one. English Standard Version is a relatively new but excellent one. And New Living Translation. Uh, new International and English Standard are a little, more, uh, uh, a little more literal to the to the translation. And New Living is a little more free in the translation. But it's still literal enough to please me, okay. And a good study Bible, you see... It's going to have notes. I'm rereading the Old Testament right now. I've studied the Bible since I was 19 years old. I've gone to several schools studying the Bible. And yet, I get in those Old Testament passages and I'm like, what is this about? Why did God tell them to do this? And I love having those notes at the bottom that give some more insights. Then study the Bible as the history of redemption. That means... It's not just a group of 66 books that are kind of unrelated, but understand that it is the story of the preparation of God to bring Jesus into the world, for Jesus to come into the world. Everything in the Old Testament carries forward to that. All those weird stories about the kings and the wars and all those things, they're background to the fact that God is preparing the way for Jesus to come into the world. And then, you know, the New Testament is the fulfillment of that. And you get get down to the book of Revelation and it's like uh, along with some things in in the New Testament besides Revelation, it's like pointing to what's going to happen when the kingdom comes in its fullness. So you understand that it's a flow. There's a theme through the Bible. Then I would suggest in the Old Testament start by reading Genesis and it's Very easy to read and fairly easy to understand. But be careful to notice Abraham because he's he's the example of faith in the Bible. He's the one to whom the promise of God came that leads to Jesus coming through the Jewish people and becoming a blessing to the whole earth. Then read the other Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. And then read through the Bible in a year with the help from a program. I'm not saying do all this at once. I'm just saying at some point, read through the whole Bible. And here's one. I've got 50 copies over there on the table. It's just one of you can go online and look up, and you can find all kinds of suggestions. I like this one because it's a five-day Bible reading program. So it leaves you Saturday and Sunday or whatever two days you want to do what you want to do with the Bible and it mixes, it mixes the reading. So uh, it's not just straight through the Bible. So for instance, week one starts, Genesis 1 and 2, Psalm 19, which I quoted from today, and Mark 1. So, and you can check off as you read. Not to get into a legalistic pattern, but just to help keep you motivated. So be sure and take one of those copies today. And then finally, let me say, develop your own approach. So if you don't like what I've said here, you don't want to start with Luke, that's fine. Start with Nahum if you want. I don't care where you start, but get into the Word of God and read it as you wish and Spend years developing different approaches to it. I vary my approaches to reading the scripture. Whew. Man, three minutes after 11. But now comes a really important part, and that is to, to respond to the Word of God. We're going to have several responses here because, well, first, we're going to look at the words that our prayer ministry people got from the Lord this morning before church. So every week we have a group of people who meet and who um, ask the Lord what, they, what he wants to do in the service. And let's see what the words are. And so, And we're going to have prayer teams in a minute. And if something strikes you, be sure and go over there. I talked with somebody this morning who said the physical, last week it said physical hunger, which I thought when I heard that. We're all hungry. It's 11 (laughs) o'clock. But there was somebody here that it was really a word for them. So um, a job situation, neuropathy in the feet, swelling in the feet, possibly God. The Lord listens even to complaints, so that's a word for somebody here. God will comfort those who are mourning. That's a word. If you're mourning, feel free to come for prayer. And somebody who needs healing from the effects of a head injury. So our prayer teams, if you'd like to come on over and get ready to serve the people. But I would like for all of us to stand this morning. If you can, if you're not comfortable standing, that's all right. First of all, is there anyone here this morning that you just feel like, I mean, I'm looking around today and I pretty much know almost everybody here, but y- you're really questioning how how fully is my life given over to Jesus? Anybody here like that? You're like, I need to make a new beginning with Jesus. I need to open my heart and invite him in. Anybody? Just raise your hand and look me straight in the eye and say, that's me. I've had to do that before several times in my life. Anybody? Okay. Well, How many of you would say, I need renewal in my life in the Bible. I need renewal in my life in studying the Word of God. Would you raise your hands with me? Would you raise your hands? And I want you to feel free to come for prayer as well, but I'm going to pray for you and myself, and then I'm going to turn it over to our worship team this morning. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the motivation to study your word, to get it in our hearts, that we might not sin against you, that we might have a light for our path, that we might have everything we need for life and godliness, that we might have everything we need to develop resilience as your image in us Our identity is restored in Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, come and draw us into the written Word of God, even as we're drawn back to the living Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on over for prayer right now. Whoever needs prayer for any reason, response to those words, and let's worship the Lord for a few minutes here together. Don't forget the uh, Bible reading plans on the table over there if you want one.
1: joy is found. What joy is found in communion with you, beholding your beauty, in knowing your truth, in living a life that pleases your joining the angels I've come to worship, I've come to fall down, to seek only your face.
0: to bless you now. If you have children upstairs, it'd be a good time to get them. Just receive the blessing of the Lord, the living word. Lord, I bless these people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Cause your face to rise upon us, your countenance to be our light through this week. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your joy. And grant to us a deep hunger for Your Word. For in Your Word, Lord, we find the way to eternal life. We find the way back to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. So I bless these people, Lord, praying for them and for myself a great new refreshing in the Word of God. Amen. Go in the peace of the Lord. After you've had fellowship.